Hello and welcome to Live at the Brentwood. PTF here. I'm down in the Jersey Shore today, so we are leaving you in the very capable hands of Spencer Luganbuehl. We'll get to him in a moment. Just want to start off by saying thank you so much to our sponsors on today's show, included in that group, the Brentwood itself and the Farrier Bar. Great place you've got to come and check out if you're in Saratoga. Also, our friends at Jellyfish Water. As I said last week, it's not necessarily the 40 days here at Saratoga that gets you. It's the 40 nights. But if you're drinking jellyfish water along the way, you're going to feel renewed and refreshed either while you're out and about or perhaps the next day on a Sunday morning when you're getting ready for another day of fun. Happy to be working with jellyfish water as well. The next voice you hear after the song will be Spencer Luganbuehl. Welcome to Live at the Brentwood. I am not PTF. I am Spencer Luganbuehl. Glad to be joined by my special guest, the Professor Marshall Graham. Marshall, I like it. Today. I like it. Uh, doing well. Doing well. Great to be here, Spencer. I'm Blake. Great to join you as we're, we're pinch hitting for Pete and uh, um, looking forward to going through some races and talking talking Saratoga. Pete was enjoying the uh, the nice summer fun over there at the Haskell. Hopefully, he had a good day yesterday. Like I said, super excited to be here today with you. Got some questions queued up. Uh, one thing PTF wanted me to ask you is uh, the story about you ordering multiple second entrees instead of dessert at restaurants. What, what can you say about well, that? Well, for, for, for whatever reason, that's only happened the few times I've had dinner with Pete and uh, <laughs> Matt Miller and a couple of these, these, these Philly Joe. Uh, we had dinner Thursday night. We had uh, the Chicago crew out uh, and uh, uh, we went to a restaurant, a local restaurant. A lot of local restaurants have big portions. Label has big portions. Yes, Always enough to go to go home in a to-go bag. And uh, I ordered the tuna, and uh, there were a bunch of sides, and and I didn't. We didn't order any, we, so we ordered a little light. I ordered the tuna, it was a couple bites. It was very good, mm -hmm. but uh, I was still hungry, and I knew that if I didn't <laughs> order something else, we were gonna. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna be raiding the fridge or or or. Um, looking for a Taco Bell or something in town. So they bought us a dessert menu and the desserts look great, but for whatever reason, I think the dessert menu was their lunch menu and on top they had nachos, right? So they had pulled pork nachos and I was like, well, I'm nachos, let's, let's just do the nachos and get this out of the way. So um, yeah, it's happened to me multiple times for whatever reason that when I've been uh, hanging out with Pete a few times that we've just gone to places where the, the I've, had the, I've had to order more for dessert. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a main course guy anyway over dessert. How do you stay so skinny? Because I know if I'm ordering both, man, I, this this belly right here, it's only gonna get bigger every time. No, I, I mean I I, I just uh, I I I don't know what I think it's just a coincidence of getting the the smaller main courses. I don't think I I I don't think I it's not like I'm out there running marathons or anything. It's no, it's uh, the the when I get the small portions, I will I will hit the dessert, uh, hit the the full meal, the nachos for dessert. <laughs> Next thing I want to talk to you about. Obviously, we're going to go over a couple of races today. Those are two, three, and five. Those are three dirt races. And I know a lot of times when I talk with you on Red Bull Rewind, going over Oakland, obviously no turf track. Uh, Pete may have talked, you know, how much, you know, turf racing is big on Saratoga Days, but you tend to move towards the dirt races. No, I'm, there are a couple reasons. First is, like, everyone needs to have their niche mm -hmm. um, in terms of sort of anything that they do in life, but really is a... Um, as a horse player, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And what I'm good at is sort of the analytical side of racing, looking at the data, 
and dirt racing provides a lot more data, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, uh, pace is a huge factor. Uh, speed figures are a huge factor. The speed figures can be uh, made based upon data. The timing of the races is accurate. Um, and we have a, have a good feel in, in, of how races are designed and, and, and how they actually are run. Um, if you watch a dirt race and you hit pause as they're turning for home, you have a good idea of how the race is going to finish yeah. based upon the internal fractions, based upon what you know about the horses. In a turf race, right, you hit pause and often you'll have no idea what's going to happen. And so I would, I would suggest to your listeners, do that. In a turf race, you're going to hit pause, not right as they're turning for home, but sort of in the middle of the turn, right, and try to figure out you know, who's going to win the race in terms of based on pace and any, any other factors that you're using in terms of race watching. And on turf, you know, the fractions they post, who knows if it's fast, right? Mm -hmm. They're, you know, the, the, a lot of these uh, turf sprints have been going off and, you know, with the uh, uh, early fractions of 21. I have no idea whether that's fast. Yeah. Seems fast. Would, yeah. I would, I've been taught to believe that's fast, but oftentimes speed, speed is holding up. Sometimes uh, it looks like horses are are free galloping up front and they're in there, you know, the number comes up fast, but it's actually a slow pace. The run-ups are all different. So the run-ups on dirt, they're at least consistent by the distance, mm -hmm. right? So um, the six furlong race at Saratoga is always 60 feet. But you look at the run-ups for the turf races and they're different based upon um, the rail settings. And mm -hmm. so they're all different. So you really don't have any idea what those internal fractions are telling you. Yeah. So our data is much worse on the turf. A lot of the data is just plain out bad, right? I mean, Gulfstream is part of their quote unquote championship meet, um, had a number of races with timing issues, so there are no fractional times. Um, the speed figures are often made up because the races can tend to be, you know, be running to crawl and be run, you know, basically, uh, you know, only horses are really only running for two or three furlongs yeah. of the race. So the speed figures are sort of themselves made up. And so all that makes handicapping more difficult. I believe it lends more towards visual handicapping. I may be wrong. I'm, I'm still looking for some secret in terms yeah. of how to beat turf racing, but it leads to visual handicapping and watching races. And I'm not a professional player. Um, I have a day job, kind of have a day job, but I have a day job. And so, you know, sort of watching replays, uh, watching races is not, is not my forte. And so without much data in watching race, watching replays doesn't make it hard for me. And I'm also as a horse owner, um, I think trainers and, and owners, uh, trainers especially find turf races appealing because uh, the finishes tend to be much tighter, yes. right? If horses are only running, you know, if they're going slow early and then running hard for the last couple furlongs, the distances don't get exaggerated. And so, you know, you end up, you know, finishing fifth beaten by three and your you know trainer can make the case. Well, we were only half length out of the out of the money, and only three lengths out of the win. Let's try this again, right? And you do it over and over and over again. And maybe that same force <laughs> yeah. on the dirt, right? Yeah. You fit, and you're ten lengths back, and you're like, you, you become realistic, and you yes. drop the horse in for a tag. So, um, all of those reasons, uh, you know, make me stick to dirt. Again, uh, I'm an Oaklawn guy. Oaklawn is all dirt. Um, I really enjoyed last fall at Churchill, Churchill being all dirt, and uh, and so at Saratoga. I love the dirt races. I especially love the mile and eighth dirt races. Um, I'm con very conflicted over the mile shoot. We'll be talking about mile yeah. races today. I'm very conflicted over the mile shoot. Um, the, uh, I, I'm worried that it's going to reduce the number of mile and an eighth races we get. I've already entered three horses um, in mile and eighth races, and they haven't gone, right? And so these are horses that basically, you know, I, Every horse I have in the spring, I think about, well, can it go mile and eight to Saratoga, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and we just don't have 
many two-turn two routes, and certainly in New York, we yeah. don't have many two-turn routes, mm -hmm. with Aqueduct having the mile chute. And so, um, and really elsewhere, that, that mile, relative, to, for, for example, to a mile 16th at Churchill, I think it's a very stamina-testing mile and eighth. Mm -hmm. And so, as someone who likes to claim stamina horses, yeah. and likes to breed the stamina stallions, I look for these races to enter, and um, with the mile shoot, I'm worried we're going to lose some of them. And uh, this is especially true for fillies and mares. That you know, we only have one uh, graded stakes longer than a mile and eighth, and that's the Dell Cap at a mile and a quarter. And the Dell Cap had a terrible field this year, so I just that's the only thing that really really bugs me about um, about the, the mile shoot in and of itself. Right? You talk about being a horse owner. I know for you, you get a lot of up and coming trainers that maybe no one's ever heard of before. What for you gives these guys a shot where you know maybe you could go to a more established training regimen or training someone who's won maybe training titles in the past? Well, I think part of our objective, and this Clay Sanders and I from mm -hmm. Ten Strike Racing, is we're we're you know looking to to develop young talent. I think it's a problem as a horse player that you know you open the forum and it's you know Brad Asisson, uh, <laughs> Chad, Maker, Todd, and. Uh, um, and especially really high profile owners, deep pocketed owners, which, which we are not, are you know, always sending to the same five or six trainers. And as a better, it, um, it, uh, I think it really ruins the, pro <coughs> the product. I think it's something that racing really needs to you know, figure out how to fix. Um, you know, ultimately, as a betting product, it's not a good betting product if you're having trainers having three or four or five horses in a race. I think it's very frustrating for horse players um, and so, you know, and we're always looking for young talent, looking for the next Brad Cox. We started with Brad when Brad had, um, uh, you know, one barn, yeah. right? So he had less than 40 horses, yeah. and now he's really grown. Now, we still have our top horses with Brad, but we're looking for the next up-and-comers. Um, Brittany Trimble-Russell, who worked for Brad, um, we got to know her when she was an assistant up here at Saratoga. Um, and uh, we have horses with her now at Laurel. She's, she does really well. I mean, I, I'm not even sure I'd call her an up-and-comer anymore yeah. with as well as she does. And we've got two trainers here in New York um, that I should mention. Michelle Giangiulio, um, who uh, uh, won her first race uh, with Seafoam in the Evan Shipman last year. Mm -hmm. So she has horses for us. She has nine horses for us and a few other partners. And so we're excited. I knew her when she was an assistant trainer for Carlos Guerrero at Park. She's actually Carlos's niece. And she actually had a bad accident on um, uh, earlier this week. Uh, she was uh, walking a horse to the track, it got spooked, it reared up and then lost its hind end and fell on top of her. And so she broke her leg in, in a number of places. And, um, and she, so she's on crutches, she's back at the barn. We saw her yesterday. I mean, she was tough. She broke her leg in multiple places one day and was back at the track in a golf court looking after horses next. We don't, you know, first of all, we often don't think of how dangerous this job is and how, and how hard people work. I mean, Michelle was a person who last year, when she had seafoam and went running the stake, she didn't have any any help, no groom, no hot walker. She yeah. got on every horse. Luckily, she does have help this year. Yeah. So, because um, she won't be getting her horses in a while, for a while. Um, and so Michelle G and Julio, uh, and then Matt Shire is up here oh. for the first time. Um, uh, with a couple horses, we have our our first horse uh, with him. Quick return is in on Thursday in the third race, and so he's bought a string up from Kentucky. Um, uh, he's an up and comer. He runs at the fairgrounds in Kentucky. We went to Del Mar with the um, ship in ship in and win last mm -hmm. year. That didn't work out the way we liked it. We didn't quite come with the horses we needed. And when you go to Del Mar, you don't have the horses you need, and you're on an island. It can be really tricky. So this year. 
we come up to Saratoga, it's easier to move horses back and forth. We're bringing up knee-deep in snow. He was entered at Ellis today in the stakes. Uh, we decided with the heat and the bigger field, we're going to come up instead and run into Vanderbilt. It's an ambitious spot. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, ambitious spot. And we have no doubt that uh, Jackie is probably one to beat, but there's uh, good money for second. And uh, we really like our horse. He's training well, and that'll be exciting. Um, uh, Bentley Combs, I just need to mention him. We have a stakes, ho a stakes horse. A stakes horse, not really a stakes horse. A starter horse. Mm -hmm. Original intent. Um, who uh, who has won the trails and Oakland's end of the year race yep. uh, at a mile and three quarters? Um, we're he's running in the mile and three quarter Birdstone, so I don't know where he fits competition wise because he's been running in starters. Yes, but uh, he's won twice at a mile and three quarters, twice at a mile and nine sixteenths, and was barely beaten in a key race at Parks um, at a mile and a half, where uh, four other horses have come back and won. Not faces kind of competition. I love the fact that you called it an ambitious spot because I think so many people, they see those 30 to 1 morning line, 51 morning line shots, and they go, why is this horse in this race? And, you know, second place money is as, maybe not as good as first place money, but second place money is still good money yeah. in, in these state races. And I, I feel, you know, as a handicapper, sometimes it's good to also just be in the owner's mind. You know, are we going for just, uh, for, for every state race for me, I, I go black type, yes or no. And I just go down the list of every horse, like, what horse needs black type? What do they think will help with the uh, with the breeding? And I love that you you know have uh, Brad Cox's you know other trainer now kind of in the fold. It's just like you know when you take a, a brood mare and you have a horse by that horse, you're kind of going up the the training ladder you know of the family in a way having her on as well. Yeah, and again we have we have you know we, we have a lot of horses and they mm -hmm. all aren't going to fit with Brad and they are all aren't going to fit on major circuits yes. and so you know we, we need to find other circuits. For those horses to run in, and I, I do think the intention of owners and trainers is important. I mean, knee deep and slow. You look, you, you look at our horse on paper when we're going to run against Jackson's mm -hmm. Warrior, and it looks like our horse needs a lead. Well, we're no, we're no fools, right? We're not going <laughs> to yeah. send the horse to go head to head with Jackie and, mm -hmm. and finish fifth and kind of ruin the horse for the future. So yeah. it's, it's as much about, you know, is is about when you know, can we hit the board as what is the next race afterwards? We don't want to gut our horse, right? Looking Jackie eyeball, eyeball to eyeball. Does does uh, there's no service to him? So, um, you know, I always you know in in some of these stakes races that tend to be short, uh, you know, I often try to look at intent of trainer, intent of rider. Mm -hmm. I like horses often that you know you'll get, you know, the horse up there drooling with Jackie, and then then um, some clunker at fifty to one will come in and clunk up for third and pay off a big try. And um, to, at, on Belmont Day. Um, I got the Uriah St. Louis horse in third, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it turned a fifty dollar drive try into three thousand dollars, right? And it was logical, right? Favorite, second favorite, and then Uriah St. Louis always good to enter a race, yes, right? The racing secretaries and the stakes coordinator's best friend. <laughs> yeah. um, horse ran great, big number, only had to beat two of them. Clunks up. I uh, was doing a lot of cheering in that race, uh, uh, just looking back at the third place horse. Like we said, we have three races to go over, races two, three, and five. I know those are some of your best ideas for the day, but first we have an ad, and we will be back right after this. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the Albany Distilling Company. You can get their delicious vodka or fantastic Ironweed series of whiskeys right here at the Farrier Bar at the Brentwood, or pretty much wherever you get your whiskeys around here, if it's a place that knows its stuff. We were very happy to collaborate with Albany Distilling Company on our podcast whiskeys. Hopefully we'll have another project like that going again. May even be a bottle or two left. 
if you look to make a donation over at trfinc.org slash players. Great to be working with them, and that's the vodka in my Bloody Mary every week on this show. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Naira and Naira Bets. They've got a $200 deposit match sign-up offer this summer. Use the promo code TOGA200 to avail yourself of that. If you're bringing friends to the track, make sure they know about it too. Do not miss this opportunity to be handed free money. For more information, go to NairaBets.com. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. We're going to start off with race number two. It is a 16,000, now more than two lifetime, one mile on the new shoe configuration. We already kind of talked about that before the ad. What, uh, what did you like in this race here, Marshall? Um, I went with the one. I actually, actually kind of like this race. Um, uh, I, I, I like the one for Robertino Diodoro shipping up, uh, um, dropping after the claim, claim off maker in the 22 life. Um, you know, on paper, you know, ran kind of a middling third. The pace was really fast and was up on the pace. Clunker kind of came in to win it. Um, Numbers-wise, didn't fit. Mm -hmm. uh, Diodoro was taking a little bit of a stab, claiming this horse off of an 18-month layoff. So something seriously went wrong. Uh, the horse is six years old and only raced five times, and Diodoro reached in for the claim, got the horse. And I think it's odd he's bringing this horse up to Saratoga to run. Diodoro has his operation all across the country, That's right? Awesome. So you take a horse, if you make a, a, a claim like this and thinks it's think this horse is, you know, kind of the 57 represents the horse's ability, you know, why not go to Louisiana? Why not go to Canterbury? Why not go to some of the other tracks where, where he's where he's based, right? Yeah. Ellis, there's a lot of places he could go. So he's making the concerted effort to come up here to Saratoga. Now you can make the argument, well, he's come up here to sell this horse for 16, yes. okay? I think it's important to understand it is hard to get past the vet here. So you cannot bring an unsound horse up here and run and try to basically get someone else to take it, yeah. right? And I also don't think this horse look, would look very attractive for anyone to take, right? Didn't run particularly well um, in for a similar price and uh, is six years old. How many yeah. people are out there buying a six-year-old horse that's made seven starts? And again, uh, they void horses all the time up here and they're looking for reasons to. Yeah. So, um, so he's not coming up here to dump in the cell, right? He could do that in Louisiana and his, and his other tracks and the vets are much less stringent there. So, um, you know, I think they're coming up to win. I think they like this horse, and yeah. I'm trying to read his mind, but I think they like this horse. Um, uh, Robertino Diodoro is a 16% trainer at Saratoga over the last five years. He's positive ROI, $2.03 ROI. Um, he was in a fast race and couldn't make the lead. He's never really made the lead before, but they're, they're putting the blinkers on. There's not much speed in this race. Hard to really tell uh, this early with only five races at a mile kind of the uh, kind of the uh, effective speed and, and post position but it does seem like inside speed yes uh, makes sense like it would it's 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 playing you know it's not it's not playing like a mile and eighth race here but it's certainly not playing like a seven furlong race either so it still does also seem to be a stamina test I wouldn't you know I wouldn't overreact to slower first fractions there's a very short run up only a 30 foot run up in this race versus a 60 foot run up for six furlongs and 90 foot run up for six and a half furlongs so I like Icon and I actually, um, actually like um, uh, Amadeus music underneath. Okay, uh, is the dialed in getting back on the dirt from being on turf? Uh, I'm not sure why they decided to put him on the turf. Maybe there's something with the female family, um, but he ran pretty fast on dirt. His maiden 40 was a nice win. Now he got a setup. Um, but uh, he's the horse that I kind of want to bring in underneath. So I'm going to play a 1-7 exacta. I'm trying to beat Ampersand. 
right? I mean, that's a horse I was going to start out with. It's so hard. One for 16 in these downwards at two, six underneath finishes. But the main thing for me is 0 for 6 at the distance. The one win was on a wet track, 0 for 14 on fast dirt. I had to find something else. It was not really much else I could find. I thought once a giant, the second choice with Manny for George Weaver, just having the last time this one was in for a claim tag, which was the maiden 40 going a mile one by seven with the bug boy. Now gets more of a German rider and Manny Franco aboard. Listen, every other number this one has run has not been as good. This one needs a slow pace. You already said there was going to be a lot of pace in there. Maybe this one versus icon and whoever can kind of, you know, quote unquote, got the other one in order to uh, get the lead going around the turn. I don't think anyone's coming out of the top flight. I was here last Sunday. I was talking to my friend Vinny. seems to me like you have to be in the top flight to win a lot of these races on the dirt track. For me, I'm going to try and beat Ampersand as well. And I am going to go with the number four, Once a Giant. Yeah, let me add one more thing to that. Absolutely. So I, I think Once a Giant is interesting as well. And it may, maybe one four is the way to play it. Mm -hmm. if, since I, again, prefer the one. I, I thought the... The race he won, while it has a big figure, he got loose on the lead in the very slow pace in a day that really favored speed. Now, again, even if you take 10 points off that, yeah. it's still among the fastest horses of the race. And I'm making this big leap of faith with Icon, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, on paper, may just be ultimately the best horse. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about Ampersand, and I think that's the, the one that the, all the money is going to go through. Right, or you talked about Ampersand. Yeah. Now, I want to make another case against him. I do... Um, I do wonder why, you know, I, I made the case for why they're bringing Icon here. I do wonder why this horse is not running elsewhere. Numbers are good, mm -hmm. right? First time in for a tag. Maybe they're going right down to 16-2 life saying this is where we fit, this is where we can win. We got Irad up, let's just get it done, right? Let's get it done, let's move the horse on, let's get a W at Saratoga. Uh, Phil Surfy's already won here, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, uh, with a maiden two-year-old. But he was getting out. Is in his race two 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 starts ago yeah. broke slowly last time right broke slowly without excuse and so I wonder if he's just going off form mm -hmm. and they're looking to looking to move on from him and so you know I'm hoping the toss him is the favorite and I'm gonna go one seven may use a little bit of one four um, and uh, and I feel pretty good I'm gonna bet the one today let's move on to race number three another N2L this one for twenty five six furlongs on the dirt I kind of thought the number three Taco Bean here for Gustavo Rodriguez coming off the claim. First off the claim, good numbers, 26% positive ROI. Gets Jose in the irons. I, I look at the last couple of races, especially the ones for 25, 66 and a 71. That fits right in there around the buyer par, at least when he dropped a couple of points. Nothing else in this race really struck out at me. Listen, power agenda, if this one drops in and, and wins for fun for Todd, so be it. I just didn't want to go really chalk-chalk to start off or chalk in the next race. Power Agenda is probably going to win this race with a 76. That was so long ago last year. Maybe this one isn't as good as we once thought, but I think that they're finally just dropping this one in to get a nice, easy win. But I'm going to go with Taco Bean on top for me. Yeah, I, I went with you. I I'm, agree with you, and I'm probably going to go with Taco Bean as well. I just thought, you know, he's ultimately faster than these. I think Power, power Agenda is really the, the tricky one to judge. What do you do in the last race? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was on Belmont Stakes Day, um, at least early on. Uh, on Belmont Stakes Day, like the first couple races, it looked like the inside was uh, the place to yes. be. And then later on the card, it seemed like the inside went bad or you know, mm -hmm. outside horses made a move. But it definitely, you come out of those first three races, you thought the inside was good. And uh, this horse is on the outside um, and, uh, and really just you know, ran out of gas. They wrapped up on him, uh, you know, put him here, drop him in for tagging. He's likely just to, uh, to go set the pace with uh, the pacing error for him really got a lot better with the, um, the one storm shooter scratching. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, it makes me a little bit more worried the fact that he might just be out there and loose and might not look back. Uh, that race, again, it's going to really tell us about that Belmont track early in the car. It's hard to, these sort of track buys are such a tricky thing, right? You, you can, you're sort of even looking at sort of Serling's track yes. trends, which is tremendous yes, stuff, absolutely. right? I mean, he has this his first three, first three races, rail look good afterwards, who knows? I mean, that's mm -hmm. very narrow up three observations. And so it's really, this is really, there's no, there's a lot of guessing to all of this, right? Mm -hmm. To buyer speed figures, to track bias. And so we're really going off that, and, and it really depends on how power agenda gets bet. If he's four to five, um, that can part reflect that they know, yes, right. But it could also, you know, maybe an opportunity to beat this horse that's not that good, and um, you know, another one just to kind of throw in there, um, you know, maybe Doctor Love dropping in class. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the deal is with this horse. Uh, uh, broke his maiden 50 first time out. Mm -hmm. I always look, you know, give extra credit to lightly raced horses that won first time out. It's a hard thing to do. He did get a bit of a setup that day. Um, at some point, he got sold privately uh, and uh, and entered the Dallas Stewart barn. They took a shot because he was a Cairo Prince and ran him on the turf. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't do much. Uh, kind of a middling effort last time. And maybe they thought, well, we spent this money. We thought we had a turf horse. Let's at least go up to Saratoga and get a W. They drop in for 25. I thought the four... Um, you know, kind of looked like maybe an interesting claim. Now, it's not my idea. One of my partners pitched number four with a sort of esoteric mm -hmm. reasoning, but I think it may be a reason that to, to bet the horse's price. Not a bad idea at all. It's one of the last race of the slide at the Brownwood. Race number five. It's the grade two Shuvi, one and one eighth miles on the dirt. Small field, but man, every time now with that and clear air run, I am uh, I'm a pretty excited guy. How are we uh, looking at this race, Marshall? Well, I, I think they're going to bet Malathot, so I'm probably going to go Clarier, right? I, I just I think that the, the buzz will be, um, you know, Malathot with the blinkers on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I don't see that, uh, I mean, it seems like Clarier, they ran similar races last time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Malathot seemed to be, you know, in the back of the field more um, kind of grinding away and... Uh, uh, Clary actually passed her. It seemed like passed her was going to blow by her at the head of the stretch. This is all way behind Latruskin search mm -hmm. results. Yes. And then they sort of ran together. Um, Mal's not getting back in front of Clary going by right at the end. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it, it sounds like these works for Mal thought are really good. And so, um, you know, I'm going to zag. If, if, if I get the better price on Clary, that's where I'm going to go. If they're both even money, that's going to reflect badly. Or if they're both four to five, which could totally happen. That's the problem with having a short field like this yeah. in 16% takeout. We'd love to have scaling takeouts, mm -hmm. right, such that a race of the four-horse field yeah. can have a lower takeout. And remember, that people say, well, that's, you know, that's costing us handle, that's, I mean, that's costing us hold. The whole thing would be to raise revenue, to raise the amount yes. people bet. Because you, yeah. you get two, four to five horses, I'm better off searching the grandstand and betting head-to-head -head with someone who wants mouth yeah. out in it. And, um, you know, this is a... A race. These these two others aren't no hopers, but this is going to be a horse race, and that's it's fun. They didn't they didn't fill it up with 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 um, also rands like yes. uh, Gulfstream of the Tennessee Dewey and the Haskell. I didn't we didn't need to see a fifty five to one shot out in front of mm -hmm. the Haskell. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, it was a Haskell Invitational, yes. right? They could have just had. I was all good just seeing you know the five contenders. We didn't we don't need also rands, and so I'm kind of glad that there's a little bit less of that here, and we kind of get these two horses to go at it. Um, I'm going to bet the longer price one. Keep it keep simple as that. I feel the same exact way. I am a little bit different, though. I'm hoping that somehow Malathat goes up. The main reason for me is I thought this one was going backwards after the double dog there. Ran a 106 next. Usually when horses kind of surprise me, and I think they're going one way, they go the other. 
I tend to give extra credit. Clary Harris ran three races in a row, improving speed figures. That, for me, is usually a negative. I'm waiting for the bounce to happen. <coughs> but for me, if Clary Harris is a higher price and it's a substantial different price, 7 to 5 to 3 to 5 or whatever, I'll probably stick with Clary Harris. I am hoping I get to bet Mal at that here and get a little bit of a value on this one. Sounds good. That is all the time we have today for Live at the Brentwood. I do want to thank Marcus Behind the Bar, my special guest, Marshall Graham, Jellyfish Water, the Brentwood for hosting this wonderful, wonderful podcast. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel, our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen, and our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time.